0: It is The Daily Talk Show, everyone. What up? Episode Um, 41. 41. We're we're post-sugar high here. And uh, let's start the ep, TJ, by painting a picture because you know we love painting. Well, me specifically, I like painting pictures.
1: (laughs) I've come down hard. I feel depressed after the weekend's Um, (laughs) sugar binge. But I'm sitting in my car um, right now in Collingwood. It's all gone downhill.
0: Just yeah. hanging in the car.
1: I've got my laptop on my lap, microphone just in my hand. It's it's quite warm. I now I've taken my shoes off because I hate getting uncomfortable when doing these podcasts. Feeling hot, you just start getting irritated. I'll probably bite your head off. But um, I'm in it. Melbourne and you're in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, and I do get
0: super hot too. Like just that slight technical issue that we had, no joke, I was fogging up because <laughs> I just, I I run like a computer. I just don't know. It's like you've clicked render on something and my all uh, my fans are blowing and I think my nose, fans are my like anxious breathing. You no, know, <sighs> nah, it's not sweating, but I just like, I just feel a bit clammy but um which is interesting because it's only 21 degrees here in sydney and since i arrived it has just been pissing down the uh the whole time oh, man um, sydney
1: does sydney does rain a lot but it's always like a bit warm as well so it's it's not as horribly cold like melbourne hey, just on the sweating thing are you are yeah. you a sweater yeah absolutely i'm uh,
0: grossly so I, uh, I think that and to a point where actually you would have seen it when we when I was uh, filming the Lululemon stuff uh, the other week when you were helping me and remember the cycle like filming the cyclist and I was probably sweating more than they were.
1: Well, I just know that your nose sweats and I can see beads on it I, yeah. I, and I, I remember training clients and people would sweat from weird spots. And I think, like, nose is probably – it's probably not the main common one. It's not probably not common. Yeah. But I had someone that would sweat from their knees. Really? That's so straight – like, the underneath of their knees, I guess? No, like I no, like, kneecap. What the fuck? That's weird. So they'd be wearing pants, and you'd see, like, a, a knee sweat patch. It's weird. Oh, man. I – um. I reckon.
0: I think it must be all connected to pores and stuff, right? Because the first, the only place that I really get sort of sunburned. Actually, I get it sunburned everywhere. I should. I, I've learned from last <laughs> the last summer where I got absolutely annihilated by the sun that I am someone who burns, but my nose like the pores and stuff start to to raise and I get yeah. like this little, I have this one dot on my nose that will appear in the same spot every summer if I haven't worn sunscreen and it ends up like going a little bit scabby and gross. What do you mean a spot? What do you mean? Well, it's just almost like it looks like a pimple and there's okay. this desire to want to sort of squeeze it and, oh, I, no. and it, it just always ends up, in this like horrible state where it's like I, if I feel that it's elevated, I just need to not touch it and um, hope that it will be okay. Do you have any weird shit like that? Any any sort of odd odd
1: body functions? No, not, not really. I kind of feel like I'm left out if I don't have one. I really want one right now. Come on, find one thing that
0: you're a bit like in summer okay. you don't like. You got nothing, um, do you?
1: Nah. Nah, don't. I used to um nah got nothing. I had I had bad pimples as a kid. So that was oh, my weird. Did you thing go on for... Roaccutane? Yes, you I did. did. And yeah. the one thing I remember about that drug was the warning on the packet saying um may cause suicidal thoughts. Suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Fucking crazy, isn't it? I went full I went on Roaccutane
0: and I'm already a bit sort of wired and weird. Mm. And um yeah, no, I remember I had a few uh uh, cries, but uh, outside of that, I think that was
1: like partly just being a teenager. I'd like to think you can but, tell when someone's on the drug because the the whole thing is if you if you don't know what raiacutane is, it's like roacutane, riacutane. either roacutane. One. Anyway, it it makes them worse before they're better.
0: Yeah, and so and you. It's, yeah, go you go. You go. Okay, I was just going to say you can't get it from a GP. You need to uh, go to a specialist, like a dermatologist, and they will uh, uh, prescribe it. But, Mm. yeah, it will – it essentially dries you out from the inside. It causes – if you're a woman, it causes – you can't have kids during it because it can can cause like a body – what's that thing called where they come out with issues? I
1: can't remember. I mean, you um, can, yeah, yeah. It can, baby deformities, deformities is the word. Yeah. That I think yeah. there's about a million um, things on the packet, but I just, I just remember, my pimples got so bad, and I was, I was already so self conscious of it. When you're a kid, you, you're battling just who you are in the first place. But I've noticed this yeah. guy on YouTube. He's um, he's like, a, he's on Instagram. He's got like two million followers, um, and he's definitely taking. Oh, I think I was thinking... is he the tech, the tech dude, the one that wears a hat a bit. Nah, oh, I know it? that guy you're talking about. This one, he um, he's like a supreme king or something. He sells okay. – he's just like a comedian or just like a young dude who makes videos about nothing, and he sells all this merchandise that's like jewelry and shit. Anyway, he's super successful, but I was thinking he's on camera constantly and his skin is so bad, and it makes – it just brings up memories of – me when I was young, just thinking that is like, I'm. He's pretty brave, man. Like maybe he just doesn't yeah. have those feelings within him. He's just like whatever. I don't care about it. It's not. So it do you think he's on and I, he's on the early stages. Hundred percent. Like telltale signs along the the sort of dry, cheekbones. Right? Nah, just welts over his cheekbones. Uh, yeah, and his it's lips. Nasty. Yes, his lips are very dry.
0: Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I remember I remember it being something that was required a lot of thought before you um, jumped into it. But people who had no idea would be like, mate, have you tried Proactive? And it's like, you fucking idiot. Like oh. they, they've watched the infomercials <laughs> and it's like this stuff, like Roacatane compared to all of that stuff. Roaccutane is like, it's terrible. Like I don't know what it's. I don't know how it works. I don't know enough about medical shit to completely understand it, but I, I can't be, it can't be good.
1: You're right. It drives you out. So I, really, um, I wanted to talk about beliefs because I think my, mm-hmm. my belief around the pimple stuff was uh, there must have been something like I was so transfixed on everyone, thinking that everyone was looking at me and judging me so yeah. I don't know if it's the it's the right belief, but I've been thinking recently about beliefs and and like yeah. how you can't so a lot of them are bullshit. And I'm talking for myself here. Yeah. Like I remember having a belief when I was like 19 or something, and I was like, I'm not going to become a presenter, TV presenter, if I or get a job in that space, if I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> really?
0: That one's outrageous. I think that the, the acne one is a is a fair point, right? There'd be um, having acne and then trying to do that whole presenter thing. Mm-hmm. That is, there'd be a belief there that there, there might be some truth to it, right? Um, but no, there's definitely limiting, limiting beliefs that we have. And for me, mine's always been about my weight. It's been like... If ever I'm unhappy, I'll point to the reason I'm unhappy is because of my weight. And if I just control my weight, then I'll be, I'll feel better. Mm. Um, but one thing that I've just uh, picked up a new audio book uh, and uh, it is called, stand by, uh, it's co- called Better Than, oh, This it's all about my timing. I'm just opening Audible right now. Yeah, that's all right. I'm glad you got this because I've
1: got access to your Audible. So I've technically picked up this as well. So go on.
0: It's called uh, Better Than Before. And uh, it's talking about habits. But one of the things that the the interesting things I was listening to it on the flight over here was that basically in times of stress, we go, we fall back to our habits. Mm. And so – What they mean by that is it's not whether you, uh, not bad habits, but just whatever your habits are. So, for instance, if you're someone who has built a habit of exercising each morning and you go through stressful times, you actually tend to double down on that and do that more. Or they did some studies around kids who were um, doing tests, you know, they are in their sort of... um, what do you call it? Like finals or whatever. Yeah. And what they what they found was that the kids who had a habit of eating healthy uh, breakfasts would eat healthy breakfasts during these stressful times. So, <laughs> but people who had a habit that was obviously you know would be considered a bad habit are more likely to do that. So, their whole point was we are our habits and. To implement them, and it was all about the fact that we are um, the, the basically the cognitive load that is required for us to be able to make micro decisions throughout the day. Um, you know, for instance, am I going to go? Am I going to go to the gym today? Yes or no. Whereas if it's a habit, you're actually not using your willpower because it's already uh, um, sold in. But what's beliefs, your, what are your habits? I, uh, my habits, are, I think um, the my habits at the moment would be, I think I've got like a lot of um, negative <laughs> or like bad habits. So bad habits around like phone use yeah. and how much I rely on my phone. And um, so there's that. Probably a, a good habit is when I wake up in the morning, I get out of bed. Yeah. Not like I remember as a kid, you'd I'd wake up. I mean, annoyingly, I woke up at four a.m. this morning, so I ended up um, like staying in bed till about five. But the um, yeah, that I remember being a kid and just hanging in bed for hours. Whereas now I feel like I at least get out. So I think that that's a a good habit. I mean, do you find that your how much did your habits change when? when Bodhi came into Mm -hmm. the world?
1: Uh, My old habit would be get up straight away, go to the gym. But it's a lot harder now. I've got shit to do in the morning. And so it's like I I still – but I think the habit for me for the gym thing, I think it's an easy one to talk about. There's probably habits that I've got that I'm not even aware that they're habits. I'm trying to think of those ones. But the obvious one is like a gym, right? But I think it's like from going for years – it it just becomes a thing that you do. Um, yeah. But it's, so, I mean, it's such an easy one. Everyone talks about the gym as the habit. But I've, I've definitely noticed I've kicked the habit of using my phone as much. But uh-huh. like you and I have talked about, the busier you get, you actually just have no option not to use it because well, you will fall apart. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll give you a little insight into
0: something I've been thinking about over the weekend. I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, potential book, another book. <laughs> I know that I've spoken to books habit. before. Yeah.
1: This it's is a habit. habit. Break it. Um, Write one book.
0: Yeah. So the idea is around the clientless creative or mm. the creative without clients so basically it would be a book that explores the options for creative professionals that doesn't require you basically to work for clients. Mm-hmm. So um, it would be looking at obviously our businesses are very client-focused at the moment but actually speaking to people who have created businesses that, that don't rely on, on that. Give me an example of um, one that
1: doesn't rely on...
0: Uh, So an example would be a YouTuber, I think. Yeah. They're like, you could, I mean, you could argue that everyone has their version of a client. So for them, their client becomes their audience or the people they're doing brand deals with. But um, no, there's just been on like, and it's all interconnected. It feeds into this sort of habits thing and rules and principles of life. And because if you, if you allow Like I've been – we spoke about this the other day, just saying yes more. And I have just – I'm wanting to now build in habits that just protect my time to be able to create stuff.
1: And so the hardest thing to create the business that isn't client-facing is the, the mission to monetize what you do. And, yeah. you know, like the, uh, an artist who paints on canvas sells their paintings to clients. The person who creates a product, candles, is selling them. Uh, is that a customer or is it client? Like are you saying a client is a customer? Well, I think that, I mean,
0: I think that they would be a client if they commissioned, if it was like them commissioning, having works commissioned, mm-hmm. then obviously you are, you know the, um, uh, you know you're a, you become a service provider, but yeah. that idea of saying, okay, uh, I'm creating this painting and then you can buy it, mm-hmm. um, that's a different that's a different realm to yeah.
1: be in. Yeah, I've been thinking. I think there is so many obstacles when you are dealing with clients, just back and forth. Uh, input, and I think as creators, it's like we w- want to be left alone. I think most people who create are either wanting to be yeah. left alone with their team of creators. Um, and so, yeah, I ha- I've actually been thinking about that stuff too. It's like putting in the sprint to, to or like putting in the hard work to get it created and then like using your skills to then be on the other side of capturing the customer or something along those lines. And its I've been watching um, tutorials on – or just I've been watching people talk about uh, like sales funnels and stuff like that. And it's like, fuck, you could go down the biggest rabbit hole understanding like the different audiences and where – but I think it plays into – the side of that's what you end up playing in if you're not offering a serve uh, you, if you're not dealing directly with clients for the exchange of money. It,
0: but I think it, what it's also ha- happening is it's what you're actually selling. So I think that what I'm finding at the moment is uh, the stuff that I enjoy. It's because people see something in what Full Stack Films does, which. Technically, is me uh, to create something. Whereas, I did a bunch of work with search engine optimization to basically increase the size of my funnel from the top, so mm-hmm. more people are coming in, being exposed, and I'm getting people who want a video product, you know, a video done in Melbourne, and they're mm-hmm. finding me. And the learning, or the what I'm trying to sort of work out is. How do, we, how do we actually, like it's almost elevating yourself to a next level creative mm. in saying what is something unique that people would hire specifically you for because it's not going to be able to be serviced by another production company. Yeah. I think that is holds a lot of interest to me. So for me what that might mean is going a bit more boutique and say and treat and being more strategic in the types of projects because at the moment as i said i've said yes to a lot of things and there's a lot of times where i'm like man anyone could be doing this right now and yes yeah. it brings in money but i feel like it's um and i think that it's something you need to do early on to just build up your craft yeah but once you get to a certain point you need to like you need to be different because everyone like i'm just seeing you know, there's heaps of people who are just jumping on, uh, you know, on YouTube and stuff, and they're able to emulate people, and so there's just it seems like we're in a world of fucking copycats, yeah. That all look the same, and people want, uh, we want that, but we just want it like with our brand.
1: One of the I mean, uh, your- some of the wisdom that you've uh, dished out to me, or yeah. all, uh, all the wisdom from your 27 years, was talking about. Knowing your value and uh-huh. your value can be outdone by someone else if that's more of the skill so for for example, you're like you you're able to make documentaries, which is probably one of the harder things to do when it comes yeah. to storytelling and and video production versus the young kid who's got all the new nifty equipment the gliding the you know glide cams and and spends all his time doing wrap-up videos for events um, mm-hmm. and is really nimble it's like if you who charges more and rightfully so because of all the you know knowledge and equipment and experience and etc comes in and does that these kids are outshining someone yeah. who really has more value but it's not sort of the place where their value shines. And so it's like what what I took from it, it was like know your value and then double down and on and double you, down you, on it.
0: And know where you fit in the market. So yes. like I mean I don't know but who's an uh who's a Grand Prix driver? Who's the Australian one that Trevor interviews all the time? It was on the Sandalwood Webber. Weber. No, nah, not Weber. Oh, Ricardo. Nah, the one that was Yeah Ricardo. Yeah. Fact, it's it's the equivalent of you know Ricardo drives cars. Does it mean that he is going to be a, the best taxi driver for you in Sydney? Like the answer is no, <laughs> because he might not fucking know the area he might not have the new he doesn't know where the taxi you know drivers go to to wait there's all these things where it's like i'm not comparing myself to a race car driver however (laughs) there is something to be said with you can be the best in your field and just because and i think the video has been lumped into this one thing right because Mm -hmm. it is because it's this um emerging thing and it's still early days in regards to what we can do with it from a technology point of view and a distribution point of view at the moment we're a we're saying that hey uh if you can do if you can do a, a video for instagram then you can do this other bigger piece for netflix or this or that or like i think um even uh Matt Diavella, who I like to mention on nearly every episode, <laughs> he uh, he talks about the difference between when he was making, say, the film Minimalism, the amount of extra effort it was to like make this feature length doco mm-hmm. versus, and he'd made a few hundred short, two, three minute videos, and we just assume that, like, ah. Oh, we've done this so surely it will just translate but it's yeah. a, it's a completely it's a sprinter going in and trying to run a marathon
1: mm. they could probably do it but they won't be as good as the the specialist and you yeah, know what I mean I feel, like, yeah. I feel like i'm just now finding after like 2 and a bit years of running my business like i've just i'm just forming beliefs around what i'm actually fucking good at and what value yeah. i can bring and uh-huh. Having wins on the board, which have solidified that belief, you know, to for me to go, yeah, okay, that is it. That's what I'm doing. Like, I've talked so much about the things I'm now doing, but years ago, but I wasn't ready. I didn't believe it. I didn't. Yeah, you need to go through to be able to
0: niche or to be able to understand where your value lies. You need to do enough videos, mm. and 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 so that's what I've been experiencing. Is it's like okay. You know, there's moments where you're doing something where it's like, man, this is out of my comfort zone. And sometimes you should push through it, and it's an opportunity to grow. But then there's other times where it's like, it's like Louis Theroux or you know, a a documentary filmmaker like Nick Broomfield probably wouldn't be able to do a very good music video, right? right? Or like, if he did, it would be, it would have to be within his style. And so I think that that's um, – I feel like we put the pressure on ourselves to be good at everything mm. and we even to some degree, it's like, oh, well, if you're doing video, you need to be doing photos, you need to be doing all this stuff and you, you can't just do one thing anymore. You need to offer everything. And I think that uh, that, is, that is true for the traditional service-based business. Mm. But what about if we say look at uh, Maccas as the example, right like say McDonald's do thick shakes but if there is a shop if if there's a place 3 doors down that's the thick shake experts and that's what they do hmm. then like i think that that's fine it. The, the thick shake shop doesn't all of a sudden have to be producing burgers and i think that uh that's a belief going back to beliefs my, one belief is that i feel like i need to be able to do everything
1: yeah I think, and it's, and sometimes at the start, you need to be doing everything because you don't know, like you said, two years in, it's like, you don't actually know the thing you got to double down on. So you're finding that yeah. everything, but there's a hard transition between doing everything and then just fucking doubling down on what it is that you do best. Cause it's scary, right? It's yeah. It's it's saying no to a lot, right? And saying no is a scary
0: thing. I know whenever I say no, I, there's that internal voice where it's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Like this is – karma is going to bite you on the ass for saying no to this opportunity.
1: Yeah. You know? Um, I've, got, I've been working on this. Okay, I'm looking forward to showing you. It's like a just a bit of a, a roadmap for my business. But in mm-hmm. it, it has – it basically is – double it's – Focusing on sort of three areas, but there's one which is the current everything offering, which is the yeah. goal for me is to sort of whittle that down and focus on the other stuff. And and I don't know, maybe it is just a belief that I have to still say yes to a lot of things to keep it keep the business going and keep cash flow coming in, to then get to the other side, which is getting rid of that and just doing these other specific things that I'm best at or I think will be the future of my business, right? So yeah. there's a belief in play, right, that I've just, I just realized that.
0: And I, I think it's, um, there is a focus and an a, and a luxury to being able to to niche. And, um, obviously I think you have to sort of go wider first to understand where that sits, but, um, yeah i think that there's there's lots of people for instance who you know might be not as well off as someone else who didn't become an Olympian because rather than being able to you know be on the track every single day they were looking after a younger sibling because their parents had to work or things like that right so they mm. the it is a luxury um to be able to niche, mm. and it, it's uh, and it requires putting in, like potentially um, saying saying no to money. So, mm. and I think that that's that's a really tough tough thing to do. It seems counterproductive
1: um, for, for a business when a yeah, business's yeah. point of operating a lot of the time on one side is to yeah. make money to keep it going. It's um, yeah. Yeah, it seems But then you think true. about, well, how much money,
0: like if you think of, if you just deconstruct money as its own thing, you can say, okay, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could, like if you're looking purely at money, it's like, oh, take on a FIFO job, go to fucking <laughs> WA. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's lots of ways to make cash. There might be com- commission-based businesses or you know there's fucking scams that you could get involved with that you can make a bit of cash but the thing is that there's all these other things in play um and it's the doing meaningful work and things like that and that's uh definitely where where i'm at is it's like i think that it's it'd be easy it's easy to make money i believe with the skill sets we have in melbourne in 2018 but I think that what it can do is uh, it can also set you up where it's like there's lots of uh, a friend of a friend does roof tiling mm. and he makes bank doing that, has heaps of cash, owns his house, be fucking hates it. Oh, no good. <laughs> it's like, well, what's the, you know, where do you, posi- where do you position happiness
1: and sort of finance for you? For me, um Finance definitely second. I, I see it as a, an important thing, and I, I want to make lots of money. But I also have always, always naturally gone towards things that make me happy. So jobs have yeah. always done the thing that I'm most passionate about, and I and I feel lucky like ending up in a, a industry that's sort of booming. But yeah. I um I definitely have always followed that thing that makes me more happy. And what? And what is it that what does
0: money enable for you when you think about money, when you think about money in the bank what does what do you deconstruct that to no, from a living point of view
1: from yeah, when you have kids it for me it's shifted a lot um it's yeah, it's about you think for the future a lot more you think stability not thinking about money like my my thing is I want to be rich enough to not think about money and that doesn't mean I'm a billionaire but it's like if I don't have to think about going out for dinner three four days a week or going to the movies or holiday with my family it's like for me that seems really important school for my son getting him whatever he needs and I don't know but maybe that's the first realization to then work out how much that is right And because our mind stretches
0: depending on our situation or where we're hanging out, I remember when being 21 and hearing like someone that I was working with was getting paid 55 grand. I was just like, what, fucking $55,000 doing video stuff? Are you fucking kidding me? That's huge. And then all of a sudden like our minds stretch And then we're you know expecting six figures or whatever it is, and then we sort like it becomes this. um, I would we have this amazing ability to stretch our needs based on how much cash we have. Yeah. And my learning has been that every time I've gone up a wage bracket, I've managed just to sort of spend that a little bit more, and definitely, I think maybe. I've gone through enough of them now that I'm sort of experiencing now. It's like, okay, well, now it's time to prioritize better work, like rather than like the difference for someone bringing in, say, you know, personally $150,000, which is a lot of money to $250,000. Like what is the actual, what does that extra $100,000 afford you? Mm. versus if you don't have that extra $100,000, does that mean that you take two days off a week and that you can spend time with your family? Mm.
1: It's rich people who become poor or, or comparit- you know, com- comparatively for them, you know, that someone yeah. on a million bucks has to then take 100 grand. It's the lifestyle and all of those things you built around it. That we need to <laughs> get take your mate on who- who's was who got a, such a good perspective on this. Um
0: Uh, what's it? What's what's Jeff, Like, just someone who, what you know, had a huge business, right? Lost it all, building up again. Like, there's so much to be said in that. We should definitely get him on as a guest.
1: Oh, he, I mean, he was driving around in a a Maserati $300,000 car at one point. I thought you were gonna say a Mazda 3 2017 (laughs) model. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't think he owns a car, yeah. He might, like it's, but, um, but he's he's got a different life, and it's um, his lifestyle that definitely took a hit. But the perspective he has on it, the conversations around it, it's like, dude, he's the one who's been there, at the top, at the at the bottom, and it's um, it's all in your head by the end of it. And it's all what you do with it, right? It's all what you, you know, uh,
0: and I think that part. Part of the reason why I don't give, why I give sort of all of the other things about creating cool shit a lot more sort of clout is because there's a lot of people who are just going to be born rich, right? Mm. There's going to be a lot of people who are just born into money where it's like you have to create, like to be able to create stuff, like Mm -hmm. that is just solid work and yes, there is... Um, privilege that we all get, where it's like, you know, we might be able to afford a better camera or to be able to do that. But to me, I feel like I'm going to get a lot more um, meaningful sort of, you know, sort of what, what's a word? I can't even think. Um, I'm going to feel more fulfilled. I think fulfillment yeah. is the word if I go and create stuff. Um, and for me, being fulfilled means working on client work for people that i like for Mm -hmm. projects that i think are adding value i think that some people think that um like it's a finite like it's a just a transaction like just a transaction of service and funds and i guess at the core it is but um i definitely am not interested in working with idiots or um on things that that aren't moving the world forward Mm. um i I just feel like there's enough of enough work it's a good to, to filter to have to do
1: that and it's understanding yeah. like the why you, that you're doing it the why of what you're doing which uh, it's so hard to come up with that when you first start out because well you can't right you can't. and it's
0: uh, it's just you're hoping that you um that the right people are in your life and that you can take on the right stuff and then you'll uh, but you'll trip up and you'll make mistakes and you'll start to uh, realize actually I don't want to work with these types of people or I don't want to work on this project uh And there's something really powerful in um, saying no and uh, the temporary uncomfortable feeling that it will give you versus the uncomfortable feeling of saying yes to something that then you're having to do three months down the track. Mm. Um, I know which one I'd pick.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, well, I'm going to let you go because you have a book to write. This is the, the, the next book yes, that got, you've put out. It's, um, it's got client work to do actually. But it's, um, <laughs> to be clear, this
0: uh, these guys are actually doing interesting shit. It's The Minimalists. I'm doing stuff um, for them. They made the – Matt Diavella, who I've mentioned already today, yeah. he uh, made their documentary, Minimalism, and they've got a new thing coming out which is all about their tour. Um Less is now, I think it's called, and uh, they did a bunch of filming in Los Angeles and now they're doing this tour going to Melbourne, Sydney, Auckland, all over the place. But, um, yeah, I'm filming at a bunch of those cities uh, which will be potentially included, some B-roll and all that sort of thing. So I've got,
1: to, I've got to be there in an hour. What's on for your day? What are you doing? I've got a few more meetings and some filming tonight and then um, bed. Bed. Bit tired,
0: mate. So, bed is so good, isn't it? I can love bed. Bed's good.
1: Um, all right. All right. The
0: Daily Talk Show, everyone. Remember, uh, we've got an email address hi at thedailytalkshow.com, which I've actually set up as its own inbox now. So it's easier for Tommy and I to respond. Good. And PO Box 400 Abbotsford, Victoria 3067. If you want to send us anything, and please give us a review on iTunes or on the podcast app. Until uh, tomorrow. Have a good one, then. guys. Bye.